Thank you. Good morning. Way to go, Adam. Yes, let me, let me throw my two, cent, my two cents into the group uh, stuff. In, in any healthy good church, you're going to eventually find yourself into biblical community. That, that's what good churches do. They come around one another, and we provide that. But the, the group structure, the program, even the work like we do this morning, just helps facilitate that maybe a little bit quicker than it would normally happen. Or maybe you just aren't apt to take those kinds of steps. We hope that situations like this morning will just help you uh, move in those directions because it's vitally important for you. This is my wife, uh, Tammy. This is my uh, girlfriend of 37 years, uh, wife of almost uh, 32, 31 and a half, something like that. We've been together quite a long time. Long real time. long, like real long. Like real long. <clears throat> uh, so, welcome to the relationship series. This is the time of year where my wife and I throw ourselves headlong into a relational quicksand that intends to smother and uh, quench our entire relationship. We do it. For the sake of your relationship, <laughs> we subject ourselves to the battle. Is it as bad as we make it sound? We I joke think about it, is it every bad. year. It, just it is. is bad. It, it highlights our differences like yeah. no other space. And of course, yes. like Adam just said, evil's against us. So yeah, it we is, struggle. It's a rough go. We're not. We're pretty last di- night was just a mess. Yeah, we're pretty different. Like not not totally different, but just different like oil and water. Different. Just that kind of different. <laughs> that kind of different. Yeah. So, but look, first, let me encourage you. We are we are eight days away from a six month delay. Uh, to our rezoning situation over in the Northwest. On September 26th, everything is green-lighted, and there's very, very strong probability that that zoning is going to come through. We're only eight days away. Um, So it it seems it's going to be a a positive uh, outcome. Uh, It doesn't, and that space doesn't just provide the next, or maybe the, the first, permanent space in the Northwest for worship and prayer and fellowship and students and kids, but it also has enough room to be co-located with other gospel-oriented work. And this is very exciting uh, because not only are we providing um, and securing the space of church in the community, but we're doing it in such a way that we're cooperating with others, which means we're pressing forward Uh, the church that our kids and our grandkids are going to go to. It is a very exciting time. I need you just to basically be ready because on the 26th, we turn that corner and those of you that have made commitments to this end will ask you to fulfill those in really short order so that we can close by the middle of October. So just be ready. We don't want to pull that trigger before the zoning actually comes through, but when it does, we're going to move pretty fast. So it's a phenomenal opportunity, like I've been saying. It's been riddled with uh, challenges and obstacles, but uh, what pathway isn't when the goal is uh, a a worthy cause? And this God, we feel like, is in this. So um, I guess I should say if you're new, uh, you, you probably have... Yes, yes. So the fact that it's been riddled, right? It's been a roller coaster. That's not just the process of this building. It's the right, process yeah. of what all churches have been going through for the last two or three years. That's yeah, real. And it's been an absolute strain on, I'm sure you've seen the studies, ministers of all sorts um, in the past two or three years, unprecedented. Yeah. And so I just want to say thanks to my husband for being <laughs> a leader yes, you're full of yeah, you're welcome. full of faith, <laughs> full of fidelity persevering when things have been dark and continuing to lead out with a level of just belief 
and you know that that Jesus is worth it, and the gospel is is yeah. really the only place to be. So yeah, thank you're so you, honey. Sweet. Thank you, honey. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure, my pleasure, uh, most of the time. Most of the time. Yes. Uh, so if you're new and you have questions, I'd love to meet with you and paint this vision even more clearly for you so that you can jump into this with us. We'd love to have you uh, be a part of what we th- is a game changer for us in the Northwest and, and potentially a game changer for uh, church in general, possibly this city. I, I believe that God's got us on the cutting edge here. So anyway, wanted to say that. So on with the relationship series. It's a three-part series. Uh, in the middle, it's like a sweet Oreo creamy center. Like next, <laughs> next week in the middle... <laughs> We are going to actually do an interview with the multiple different kinds of relationships. We've got some friend relationships. We've got parent and adult-child relationship, young married, older married. And we're just going to do like a Q&A and let the, let the experiences and insights of uh, those among you uh, speak into the space. Part of the reason we're doing this, Tammy is going to be out of town. Here, here's what's happened. Tammy, uh, speaking engagements and book writing stuff has generally taken her time on like Fridays and Saturdays and things like that. But pastors are catching wind of the fact that she sits at this critical intersection of soul healing and mental health. And they're pulling her in and having her speak to their congregations because it's the easiest way to get that kind of word out there. You know as well as I do. These times have created massive amounts of mental health problems. Addictions are doubled what they were Mm -hmm. two, three years ago. Um, people need to hear this. We need to understand the avenues for getting help and how to help other people. And she's right at the middle of that mix. And they've invited her over to this actually pretty big church over north of uh, Cambridge, Ohio. They're going to get six, six sites. sites or something mm-hmm. like that. So she's speaking there next week. We're super excited about that. Uh, so she won't be here, but we're going to do that interview thing, which is going to be great. Okay. So um, let me get us into this. When I was uh, 14 or 15 years old, my father bought me a little 50cc Honda motorcycle that was in pieces. It didn't run at all. Bought it for like $20. I think he saw his mechanically inclined son and summer was coming and what are we doing here? And there's no internet or anything like that. We had checkers back then was about it. We had. And so I I took hold of this motorcycle and he said, here, just just have at it. And I, I did what was easy. I did what was easy. Right, I painted the frame. I painted the, 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 you know, the gas tank. It redid the seat, put new grips on it, and it looked great, but it didn't run. And when it came to getting it to run, I had no idea how to make it run. I started taking it apart, and I got even deeper into not understanding what was going on. And looked good, but I, I couldn't get that thing to run. If we're sober-minded about it, if we're sober-minded about it, our relationships end up like that motorcycle. Yeah. They may look good. That might even be what the world says that a good relationship is, is that it looks good, but it doesn't run the way they're supposed to. I needed a manual. I needed something to help me begin to piece this thing together bit by bit and rebuild the engine and the associated mechanics. The engine of all relationships, that's what we're talking about this morning, the engine of all relationships is love. Mm-hmm. Jesus said we, should, we need to love one another. It's the nature of the triune God, like Adam was saying earlier. It's the nature of all relationships, not just marriage relationships. Any relationship is built on love, but we have a problem. We're losing our grip. We're losing sight of how love actually works. We don't know as much as we used to know about the engine of love, largely because the society and the culture that we live in is perpetuating values and, and ways and means and descriptions and definitions of love 
that are not love. Mm -hmm. And we are inundated with those messages day in and day out. Right. All sorts of things in culture are pressing against actual, biblical, godly love in relationships. And for the most part, and it, it, maybe I shouldn't say for the most part, but it is fair to say that we have inculcated the cultural definitions of love to degrees that we are not aware. Mm -hmm. And we have to continue to break down and we get the, get the manual out and compare them and move in the directions of actual love. We need that manual for love if we want to enjoy the relationships he's created for us. We need a heavenly understanding of love in order to, to escape the ineffective values that this earth perpetuates. So here it is. Buckle up. Here's what we're doing. Here's our little thing. We're saying just love. Live over the values of earth. To relate to one another means living beyond what this world teaches us and deep more deeply into what God teaches us. So... Live outside, live over the values of earth. So immediately, you I'm can... I'm going to sit down, honey. They hear me every week. You just go. I'll be back here. Be an eye candy. Be an eye candy. I'll <laughs> toss out, you know, unexpected illustrations and distracting uh, comments and questions. Fantastic, just like yep, normal. I'll be right here. Disruptive <laughs> jokes, the whole thing. And so immediately when you think about, okay... What we're talking about is live outside the values of earth, the values of earth, the values that we've inculcated. So what are some of those off the top of mind that you know immediately when you think about our culture? Well, relationships are, I mean, self-oriented. Pretty much everything in culture is self-oriented. What does self think about this relationship? How does self think about how this person makes me feel, right? Relationships are about taking, about what you can get, about what I get out of relationship. That's very clear in culture. Relationships are about my happiness. That's what they're for. It's my happiness. Right? We can begin to see even immediately how we do need to live outside those values. Jesus is very clear about that, right? Are we tracking? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when we talk about living outside of those, it's like, okay, so then immediately I want all morning for our brains and all to, all, the whole time we're listening to this message for our brains to be thinking things like, wait, if the culture says take, then what's the opposite of that? Okay, right. If culture says it's about self, then the opposite is about Oh, serving or loving, right? It giving my life away, right? If the, if, if, if the culture's saying it's all about happiness, well, no, is it about refinement? Is it, so what's greater than that? That's the process I want your mind to be in all morning. Sound good? And when I think about so many biblical admonitions for this kind of transformative work that God wants to do in us to have us not be absolutely under the influence and sway of culture in all these ways, I think about uh, there's many biblical admonitions, like I said, but Romans 12, 2 is where we're going to drill down. And I'm hoping, even unconsciously, by the end of our time together, that you actually know this verse. You actually know it. So it's Romans 12, 2. Let's look at it together. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's what we're talking about. Live outside the values of earth. Just love. And it goes on, and it's very helpful. It says, but be transformed by the... Yeah, I want you to just hone in on that. The renewing of your mind, okay? And then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For us to just stay steeped in this uh, verse a little bit, this truth a little bit, let me tell you what it says in the New Living Translation. New, New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The contemporary English version says it thus, don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. And even this awesome translation from Aramaic, it says this, and do not imitate 
this world, but be transformed by the renovation of your minds. Yeah. How many people have had your house renovated? You know what that's like. You're like, I got money, I got time, I got just a headache, right? And it's like there's a ton of effort that goes into renovation. I love that. Okay? And so Paul is literally challenging us to abandon the chase for what our society says, possessions, pleasure, status, and to stop living like everyone else. And instead, he urges that there's a way that we can be transformed by the, from the inside out. He's wanting us to ask the question, God through Paul is wanting us to ask, ask the question, how are we to live outside the messages of culture when it comes to our relationships? Mm-hmm. So it can kind of be like we've already started to do, simple and straightforward. Kind of just take a second and just stop and just consider yourself and consider your thoughts and consider the, the messages that you're steeped with from all sorts of places and just be like, okay, so maybe I could just do that simple reflexive work of when I identify this, maybe just try to live this way. Maybe just try to think this way. So for instance, what's a common relational understanding? Here's one. Relationships are for you to feel good. That's what culture tells us all the time, right? Sounds right. Well, relationships are certainly a conduit of, uh, of God for his love, but that's not the primary purpose of relationships. Right. So, so you'd want to switch your mind more to a truth of like relationships are for many purposes, some of which feel good, and others that don't feel good but are good. Yeah. A similar one would be uh, true friends don't hurt your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I like that laugh. Yeah. Right? No. The truth is, reality is, all friends hurt your feelings. True friends, when shown, apologize, take ownership, and are sad to have hurt your feelings. Here's one. Committed relationships will make me secure, and they'll be there to meet my needs. That's what we think we're getting when we commit to a level of long-term relationship, right? But, but what's reality? Committed relationships will provide companionship, comfort, help, and love, but they cannot be your security, and they cannot meet all your needs. So like maybe step one is the realization, again, that there is a difference between what the world promotes and what God is calling us to. Like you have to start there mm-hmm. and believe that God's way is better mm-hmm. and that is right. You might, we might not be able to tease all that out right away. We don't understand that, which is part of the reason we want to be in groups together because we got to work this out. Mm-hmm. What, what is it that I'm believing that I shouldn't believe? What do you see me believing that's not scriptural, that's not biblical, that's not godly? We got to realize there are, there are two paths here. Mm-hmm. We are not to conform to this pattern, but this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a difference. What is the difference? Those are just a few, but mm-hmm. we've got to be aware of that. So we're starting to just hopefully inject this almost reflexive process that when you hear a lyric in a song, in your favorite songs, and it catches you as like, what's that saying about relationship? What's that saying about life? And if it's like, take, immediately start to think, no, give. If it's like, they should be easy, no. Even the best relationships aren't easy. If it's, I am owed love, no, you're not. No, we're not. And there's just so many lists in scripture that God gives us. Clothe yourself with kindness. Put on the things of love, right? But there's one passage I find particularly meaningful and robust when it comes to 
God help me to live in the kind of relationships you have for me. So those of you taking notes might want to write this down. Philippians 2, 1 through 12. I have found that people that put it on their refrigerator and try to get around this, it is a life changer. So I'm going to recite it for you. Don't get lost in my recitation. Can you just sort of attune your ears and, and be there with me? Are we good? Yeah, it says, Paul is saying, therefore, if, there's any, if you have any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, then make my joy, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing. And taking the form of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Mm -hmm. Therefore, God gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and can I just take a second that's sort of a little bit of an aside, but we got to take it in. Did you hear the verse 12? Every knee is going to bow before Christ and every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, everybody is eventually going to realize and know that the pattern of this world is different than Jesus' pattern, and Jesus' pattern is right. You see what he talks about? He says, look at the way Jesus' attitude was. Look at the way he lived. Look at what he prioritized. And then look how he demonstrated it by laying down his life, doing the opposite of what the world says to do. Paul is just saying, look, there, this is the pattern. Right here. Your obstinate neighbor, the stranger on the airplane, um, your coworker that just, d d d how do I say, disparages the things of God, that knee is going to bow. Every tongue's going to say it. And so can you and I be unashamed of the gospel and have a sense of urgency for them to do that now? Right? Or ourselves, for that matter. Correct. You know, be unashamed have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? Yourself. Yeah. And so, but you can see in here, we're talking about this reflexive, like, okay, here's the pattern of this world. Here's the reflexive thing we want to replace it with. Just this process we're talking about all morning long. He says it in verses three and four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's pride. That's what vain conceit is, pride. But in humility, did you catch what it said in there? Consider others better than yourself. Right? What does our culture say? Look out for number one. What does Philippians 2, 3 say? What is God telling us? Consider others better than yourself. Talk about do not conform to the pattern of this world. Not right? consider others pretty good. <laughs> better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. You know yeah. what's implied there are the people that don't seem better than you. The people that don't seem better than you, consider them better than you. So who's in your mind right now? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member, extended family member, making your life crazy? 
What does it mean, Jesus, for us to follow your example here? That's a different pattern. It's so good. So, when we're bombarded with messages like look out for number one, cultural messages that elevate and encourage taking, selfish pursuit, happiness without accountability, sex as the holy grail, super high expectations of others are totally fine, how do we even begin to live differently than this, right? In some ways, I don't know like, about you, but it, to me it seems, ah, it seems kind of impossible. A little rough. Are you like, sounds good, I what? <laughs> right. Right? It does seem impossible, but thanks be to God. It isn't. And Paul reaffirms it here, and he tells us how. Do you remember Romans 12 too? Do not conform any longer to, what was it? The pattern of this world do you remember the, la- the second part of Romans 12 too? But be transformed by the, you got it, the renewing of your mind. And it's not just be like made a little better. It's not just feel a little better. It's be like. Yeah, this isn't painting the motorcycle. <laughs> this is rebuilding the internal yes. workings. He's like, be, you being, you how crazy that for that time and space for Paul to say, no, we want you to actually be changed internally. This isn't behavioral first. And it's complete change. It's 180. It's from old to new. Right? It's like completely one way to completely another way. Do you understand this power is real inside us? So wait, Tammy, are you saying I can go from depressed to happy? Are you saying that I can go from uh, hate-filled to utterly loving, others-centered? Yes. Instantaneously, that's what we're saying. No. (laughs) Yes, you can. No, not instantaneously. But he tells us how, by the renewing of our minds. And here's what's amazing. And I just do such a bad job of saying this, but I hope you can catch it, which is, you understand, God wouldn't tell us to do it in the Bible if he did not, like, make us to do it. His commands are not impossible. So he says, by renewing your mind, well, guess what? Modern science is finally catching up. So can I just doctor it up with you for just a second and we can have just a minute? Do it. On brain chemistry, can you do that? Can you buckle up? Because I'm going to talk even faster than normal. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, wait, what? (laughs) Listen to this. No, it's amazing. What we're talking about is what? God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As in, we can be completely different. By renewing your mind, what? Mm Mm-hmm. The human brain is made up of an estimated 100 billion neurons, making a total of 100 trillion neural connections. Researchers and authors galore now show how practicing a new habit under the right conditions can change hundreds of millions and possibly billions of the connections between nerve cells in what's called our neural pathways. Say that together, class. Neural pathways. These neural pathways are the basis of what you think, why you feel the way you feel, and how you act. That's the reality. The things you do and the things you believe are literally because they are literally your neural pathways. They are what you believe to be true and why you do what you do. Donald Hebb's landmark discovery in 1949 said it this way, neurons that fire together, wire together. That's why when you see uh, a print that reminds you of your grandmother's couch and you loved your grandmother, immediately you are comforted. Neurons that fire together, wire together. 
There's just so much neural power at our fingertips is what scientists are helping make accessible to the layperson these days. So to oversimplify it, but nonetheless to clearly state what is happening, if you focus on, say, serving another person or happiness with your thoughts and feelings over an extended period of time, you are strengthening neural pathways, those kind, the ones that are focusing on others and happiness. If you focus on stress and critical thinking, criticism or judgmentalism with your thoughts, you are strengthening those neural pathways of stress and criticism, okay? So every thought you think and every feeling you feel strengthens the circuitry in your brain known as your neural pathways. So let's do a summary statement on the screen. Mental activity strengthens the neural pathways in your brain associated with what you focus on with your thoughts and feelings. Tracking? Mm-hmm. Listen, there's so much that we are learning, but this part of the brain up here, the left prefrontal cortex, it actually has more electromagnetic activity in it for people that focus on joyful things, happiness, things of contentment, than people that are negative and find sources of discontent in their lives. This is the higher level thinking part of your brain. In other words, that's just telling us, science is showing us that if we can do what Paul says, there is efficacy and it will work. No, it's, this, isn't, this isn't like, okay, the answer to your transformation is science. Mm-hmm. No, the answer to our transformation is to believe Jesus, mm-hmm. that what he says is true. This shows it actually works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the brain science is saying that, oh, when Jesus said, your mind will be transformed, that I can transform your mind. And if you, you practice these transformational obediences, your mind actually changes. They were right thousands of years ahead. Isn't it cool? It was happening back then. There were neural pathways. They had no idea. This is not like positive power of positive thinking. This is just the science that says, oh, you know, when you follow God's way, your mind is actually transformed. So this brain plasticity that we're talking about appears to be the physiological basis for the possibility of transforming our minds. Here's another uh, encapsulation of it for you. By mobilizing our thoughts and practicing new ways of thinking, we can reshape our nerve cells and change the way our brains work. So obviously, we're gonna say this applies to our relationships as well, so let's get practical. It takes 43 to 65 days of consistently thinking and, and, and delving into a new practice, thought, behavior, something like that, before it actually sticks and becomes your new reality. 43 so, to 65 days. If it's a particularly stuck area of your life or you've yeah. been significantly wounded, it'll take six months-ish of solid, consistent work and effort. So Paul says, take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. Pray continually. Mm-hmm. See, the, the instructions of Jesus and it's Paul... Simple. Are, they, they lead right into what is yes. true. Yes. 42 days, you're not there yet, apparently, according to the <laughs> Stop statistics. It. I keep stopping at 42, like, why nothing? <laughs> and listen, I'll tell you, I am, a, I am a poster child for this. I am a completely different person, and I do mean completely than what I used to be uh, as a young person because God exposed me to this understanding when I was quite young, and I literally think and feel in ways that I never thought Tammy Bice would think and feel in. It blows my mind. And I'm not like white knuckling it and trying to gin it up, right? God exposed you to what understanding? Uh, The power of our 
uh, minds. Yeah, yeah, thinking, yeah. praying. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know anybody that spent their early formative years. I had to. I was messed more up. More than Tammy. Still am, but just I'm messed, yeah. reciting scripture, writing scripture. It was like a for 20 years since she was 13. I've, I've seen. I mean, the tail end of that for me mostly, but I, it, it is a powerful testimony. It is. He says his word doesn't return void. Yeah. Our culture, through news outlets, social media, reality TV shows, sound bites and such, cultivates what types of things? So here we go. Let's pull it in. Let's do some transformative neural pathway work together here on a Sunday morning. Sound good? So if we could put it up on the screen, here's some examples. So it's like, what is a pattern of this world? Well, we see, yeah, uh, put up the relational neural pathway work, please. And so we can see a pattern of this world on the left. Clearly, this world focuses on the outward. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Right, right, right. But in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The world is looking at the outward appearance in every way, shape, or form. So a transformative initiative, a transformative neural pathway network would be like, listen, I'm not going to be like all about a person's external presentation in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to be determined to look at the heart. There's a story there. There's beauty there. There's a soul in there. What is that soul like? What is that story like? Right, where you can be like, I'm going to look at their heart. I'm going to look at their heart. Depth, you can do that. Depth. depth of relationship and then look leads at to actual transformation. And the world is saying, don't go in there. Don't talk about what's important. Don't pot talk. It's, it's too uncomfortable. Don't go deep with other people. The so, world is busy, so busy. We're not even able to engage on a level of depth. And the scriptures tell us when you go to depth with people, changes your mind. And we see the proof. The third one on there, look at the last one. The world is constantly having us imagine the worst, right? Totally. Imagine the worst about why they did that. Imagine the worst about what's going to happen in this relationship. Imagine the, and instead, what is, what is a neural pathway work that we could do to be renewed by our minds? Assume the best. John didn't call me back. Oh, man. I hope he's okay. I hope everything's okay. Right? It's like you want to assume the best. Not that he didn't call you back because he's a loser and he like never calls back and I can't stand him because he's such a bad friend in that way. No, 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 no. Just start assuming the best. Like, listen. Mike said that thing that hurt my feelings. I don't think he probably meant to hurt my feelings. I'm going to try to assume the best. Mm -hmm. That's what the neural pathway word looks like when you're trying to renew your mind. So the, the next one, the middle one, magnify the negative. I mean, right? Everything that you, so many things that we see in here and that kind of thing, water cooler conversations, they're not generally magnifying the positive, are they? So... The opposite work would be to enlarge the positive. And I want to tell you about a tool that I throw at everybody I ever get to talk to. So if you've heard me talk, you've heard it before. But a tool for this that just does a ton of great work is, you might want to write this down because it's kind of weird to hear. Focus on what is, comma, not what is not. Focus on what is, not what is not. So for instance, I don't know if you've met him, but I have an amazing husband who on a scale of one to 10 for what husbands should be, that's an important scale. He's an eight and a half or a nine. Whoop. I mean, right? He's an eight and a half or a nine. I'm up from last year. But if, I, <laughs> but if I'm honest, there are many days I'm dissatisfied with him, I'm frustrated with him, and he just doesn't do it for me. That is the God's honest truth. You tell me what I am focusing on on those days. The one or the one and a half that he isn't, as opposed to the eight and a half that he is. Some of you are so frustrated about the uncomfortable bed that you slept on. You had a bed to sleep on last night. Are you so thankful for that bed? 
Are you more focused on the fact that you don't have the resources to get a bed like so-and-so's bed that you just saw? Same with the house, same with the church. Are you so thankful about the things that this church offers that are amazing? Are you focused on the three or four what things that they don't offer? Are you with me? It's, it's a pandemic, isn't it? That's the real pandemic, is that we focus on what is not instead of on what is. Mm-hmm. Huge, same. huge work. So work that is done consistently, this kind of work that's done consistently over time through the repetition of practice, I'm going to assume the best, hang on, put that little thought aside, assume the best, or focus on what is. I'm very grateful for the fact that he puts up with me, not his faults right now. I'm going to choose to, right? Focus on what is. Repetition of practice, of thought, of vocalizing it, this is how this work works. So start writing down the things you want to become your new reality, that you want to become like the actual truth that you sit in, the, the, the scriptures that you sit in. And honestly, this work is best when it's paired, because neurons that fire together, wire together, with things that are enjoyable and pleasurable and comfortable, and like, oh yeah, that's right, God. So like sitting here today, it'd be great to just keep sitting and writing some things out and saying them and speaking them, and that's why groups are so great, especially when you speak the truth of God to one another, because you hear it, you take it in, you process it, and all the while, neural pathways are being strengthened and strengthened and strengthened as we communicate to one another the truths of God and live in love as opposed to self-centeredness and small-mindedness. Amen? Which is the same reason Pastor Tammy and those that lead us in worship are nearly begging you to sing, mm-hmm. right, to right, right. speak, to say the goodness of God, to, to speak it out loud. Your brain needs to hear you say, you are the one. Jesus is the one. Say it out loud. Say it. So... Here's something that makes all of this work even more exponential and more effective, increases the efficacy a hundredfold, according to Scripture. And it is this. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Thessalonians 5.18. I always struggle with that. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. If you've ever wanted for God's will for your life, it's right here in the Word. Gratitude is God's will for your life. Living in a posture of thankfulness is God's best life for you. Do we know that? And what it does when it comes to this neural pathway work is it's like a magnifying agent, right? So can I do a little more science for you real quick? Yes? Are you buckled? Are you still good? This is on the power of gratitude. Multiple scientific studies show that gratitude makes you more patient, improves your health, your relationships, your sleep, your self-esteem and self-care, makes you have less anxiety and depression, higher long-term satisfaction with life, kinder behavior towards others, may stop you from overeating, makes you more alert and determined, decreases anger and aggression, and increases positive emotions, generosity, empathy, goal-directed behavior, and happiness. Jesus was right. Na, 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 na. He was right. He was right. Well, then we'll be here all day and I'll get dirty looks. But a Harvard study, she said for me to read them slowly one at a time. The research is just showing the power of gratitude on every aspect of our souls, our bodies, and our minds. A Harvard study looked at two groups. One group was told, and you might want to do this, to write 10 things they were grateful for in a week. And the other group, 10 things that they were discontent with. And after 10 weeks... Those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic, felt better about their lives, exercised more, and had fewer doctor visits than those who focused on sources of discontentment. Mm -hmm. Another scientist, Thompson, he's a cognitive scientist, he likewise reports experiments have shown that people who partake in the three good things exercise, which, as the name suggests, prompts people to think of three good moments or things that happened that day, 
sees considerable improvement in depression and overall happiness, sometimes in just a couple of weeks. And here's the scientist's conclusion. Listen. If there were a drug that did that, whoever patented that drug would be rich. Gratitude is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Hmm, a thing that God commands us and tells us is our best life, scientists are finding is very powerful. Are you tracking? That's why we're so passionately, I'm so passionately urging gratitude. Listen, adages exist for a reason because there's truth there. And I think that you experienced probably one of two adages or both during the past couple of years. And one of them is familiarity breeds contempt. Amen, somebody? It happened in my house. But then also there's the adage that's the counter to that one that says, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Some of us had that during um, the lockdown in particular, correct? There's an adage, though, that I just want to say to you with all of my heart that I pray you do not experience. It's this one. It's you never know what you've got till it's gone. Mike and I go to way too many funerals and participate in way too many funerals, and we watch people who we know they are telling others about what that person who's now gone meant to them. And we know a lot of those tears are sometimes because they never told that person. This morning, I want to start a worldwide movement right here and now. I am not joking. Hashtag tell them now. Tell them now. What is the downside for you telling people in your life what they mean to you? There is no downside. Tell them now. You gotta write it, you gotta figure out a way to do it, doesn't matter, there is no downside. Are you with me? So right now I hope there's somebody you're thinking, you know what, I take them for granted, or like they probably don't know what they mean to me. Tell them now. Will you tell them now? Let's be a people who are willing to just start speaking that kind of blessing, like, do you know what you mean to me? This is what I'm gonna say to you if uh, you leave before I do. This is what I'm gonna say at your funeral, your celebration of life. Because I don't want you to miss hearing it from me. Amen? Mike and I have to list very quickly some impediments to just loving, by the way, before we scoot for the morning. So it seems like it should be easy to just live over the values of earth, right? Especially when neural pathways are involved and God has made it easy. There's a couple of impediments. The first one is this, that uh, because of personality type, often because of wounding, we just automatically flow to the negative in self-protective ways. Very common, right? The other one is stress. Stress shuts down your brain because it washes cortisol over those parts of your brain that process the kinds of things we've been talking about. And so stress makes you actually think poorly. So you're not going to have awesome relationships if you're constantly under stress. And Mike told me this morning, Tammy, that's a whole other message. And he's right. <laughs> like how to not be stressed. How to not, right. It starts with Jesus' command, as usual, rest. Mm-hmm actually rest, separate from work and busyness and all the demands of life and Mm -hmm. rest in me. That's a good start. And then the last one is that literally our brains go towards the disturbing, the sensational, and the titillating. Mm -hmm. The way our brains were built and the way that they work. And tell us just a sentence about what you've been studying on, honey. Well, I've mentioned it before, you know, that... um, when we're looking at uh, algorithms and uh, some of the nefarious things behind social media, um, they get it. They get it. They know that you and me are pre-wired to enjoy and be attracted to the negative, particularly emotional negativity. 
We have to be aware of the fact that our, our psyches tilt in that direction. Babies will, will look at an angry face for a longer period of time than they'll look at a happy, happy face. It's just kind of pre-wired into us. Again, back to our original statement. You got to be aware of the, what's happening in this world and what's happening in us naturally that's opposed to the way God wants us mm -hmm. to go. It's very powerful, these values and these uh, um, uh, predilections that we have about yep. uh, how we're designed. Yep. Works in the opposite direction of God a lot. And so, even though we have those impediments, I'm going to say don't take the bait of negativity. It's bait. I say the word bait on purpose because it's like our culture is tr constantly trying to bait us towards that. And even more so, that is the scheme of hell against our lives, is to take the bait of focusing on the negative. In that same Philippians passage that we talked about earlier, so that's Philippians 2. I really, really want you to go read it after this. Uh, in 13 and 14, it says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And it says, basically, you will shine like stars in the universe you and I know that. You know that. If you don't join in the canceling, the criticizing, right, the critiquing, ugh, all of it, the gossip, you will shine like a star in the universe. You will, right? So there's a lot here this morning. You're doing great. Let's be a person who sees good, who trusts God's ways. I'm just so tired of everyone's take on everyone else being so negative. You understand I had a beautiful exchange. I mean, just phenomenal, just ah, with a person of a different ethnicity twice this week, two different people, right? Amazing. I had a teenager who was like in a drive-thru, you know, working the drive-thru. I had a teenager spontaneously, and I'm telling you, I think 16-ish, spontaneously look at me, and he gave me a compliment that buoyed my spirit for an entire week. I'm like, what is that? It's beautiful. I've watched people open doors still for one another all the time. I know we had an interaction with a waitress we had the other night, my friends and I, where she was uplifted and so were we by that interaction. Come on, there's so much beauty going on in this world. There's so many awesome people out there still doing the right things, super small and unnoticed by the world, smiling at a neighbor, listening to a friend, praying for the people in their life, helping a stranger with a flat tire, taking coffee to the coworker no one wants to interact with, helping a, uh, sitting next to and talking to new people at church or class, opening doors, saying thank you, giving sacrificially of their finances, People are doing the right thing. People, there's so much beauty. Don't believe the social media sensationalized, excuse me, news and the seductive sound bites, right? Are we tracking? Are you with me? Yeah. See the beauty. Be the beauty. And just FYI, all time spent on social media is time away from real interaction. We aren't meant to be known by everyone. We're only meant to be known and loved by a few. If you're, if you're susceptible to, you're not influential unless you're an influencer or you're not likable if you don't get tons of likes. Get off. If that were working, why would there be so much anxiety, depression, and suicidality at rates like never before? Right. Okay. So thinking about these things as we have posited this morning and just followed God's word in Romans 12 to don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But what was it? Be transformed. How? Yeah, you got it by the renewing of your mind. So I want you to just right now, just think, God, help me see what is one of those such new thinking patterns do I want to live in. And I find that they're best when they're wed with scripture. So for, I'll just give you a few of my personal ones. I thought, how do we do this? How do we make this super practical? 
A few of the personal ones that I have done, like a lot of like, get your brain there, put your brain there, put your brain there. It's Proverbs 23, 7. It says basically, do not withhold good from those to whom it is in your power to give it. That's been an awesome change, agent, in my heart, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Proverbs 11, excuse me, 1911. No, Proverbs 11:25. It a generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is firmly in my heart at this point. Mm-hmm. Firmly, and I've seen God change my behavior and I've seen him just fulfill his word. Mm-hmm. But I had to change my brain first because I came from a scarcity mentality, big time. I'm still working on this one in all honesty. I'm not fully there yet, but I'm doing the work of like, I I want to live here. Proverbs (laughs) 19.11, it says, it is to a person's glory to overlook an offense. (laughs) But that's one you could just start. It's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. God, help me to overlook an offense. I'm going to choose to overlook that offense. God, it's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. I think that's why I'm in your life, honey. Giving you opportunities. <laughs> I'm giving you so many opportunities to live it out. But do anything this morning. If those just sound like too big of a stretch for you, do this one. This friend or spouse or family member, they're a gift. Some of you actually need to retrain your brain to that. Your spouse is a gift. Your friend is a gift. Or maybe you need to retrain your brain to, you are a blessing. I am a blessing. Some of you have been so wounded by life. But you do not believe you're a blessing. You're a stunning display of the glory of God. He made you the way he wants you to be because he has love he wants to give others through you. You might need to do the neural pathway work of, I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing. In God's economy, I'm a blessing. Do that work. Maybe you need to do the work of, it's not personal. We have a culture that's like, yes, take offense. Yes, carry somebody else's offense. Maybe you need to do the work of, it's not personal. Unless they tell me it's personal, I need to keep assuming and live in the maturity that it's not personal and stop taking so many things so personally. Mm-hmm. Can I get a witness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to self-protect. God's got me. Maybe that's what you need to do. God's got me. Stop self-protecting. God's got me. God's got me. I can keep giving myself away. God's got me. So let's sum it up. How do you just love? How do you just live outside the values of earth? Look at this slide with me. Don't take the bait. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Second part, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do the neural work. Get scripture in you. Get it around you. Get the truth in you. Think about things of the soul and on and on. So literally in the quiet this is, that is this moment, make the decision. You might need to write it down. Make the decision for what is one. Such a God word outside the values of earth. Posture, thinking pattern behavior that you want to pull and say, God, I want to see you transform my mind in this regard. Don't leave here this morning without choosing at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Because the, in scripture, this is my summation, all of this is uh, fulfilling in Galatians 5 when it says, my friends, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love.